Uh, I'm starting. Welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director. I'm sitting here with Emily Tweet and... Er, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, cut. Yeah, and cut. I'll cut this. You know, I'm leaving it. Whatever. Whatever. I'm sitting here with McKenna Tweet and Emily Lonman. Uh, how are you both doing right now? Good, good. It's a little smoky, asphyxiating out there right now, and uh, it's tough to see some of our most gorgeous forests going up in flames right now, and the air quality and the ash is a little bizarre. Yeah. But other than that... Yeah. (laughs) A little apocalyptic. A little. Yeah, we had, like, there was smoke, and then there was the eclipse, and there's smoke again, and it just, like, feels like, I don't know, the sign of something weird. Yeah, strange summer here in Oregon in particular. And then here at the shoebox, we are under construction uh, to help resolve some of the major issues that we've been having with the building lately. Uh, One of them is... We are getting a new lighting grid or have already gotten it. We're in process of getting a new lighting grid, which is fantastic. Yeah. So for the listener who's not familiar with both of you, can both of you each independently, I'm used to having one person, so I'm usually just having one person this, but uh, give a background of yourself in the theatrical world that led you to being part of Theater Vertigo, and we'll talk about why there's not an artistic director in a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, On the artistic yeah. director. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess... My background, I'll go first. Um, I have been a professional actor for a little over a decade now, and I left the city for some time to get my Bachelor of Fine Arts in uh, Western Oregon, or at Western Oregon University, rather, and have been back in the community for about seven years now. And working as an actor, costume designer, and recently an independent producer, along with my producing partner, Brennan Dwyer, for the project Playhouse Creatures. And so in that time, I've been cultivating my resume and experience, and always been a huge fan of Vertigo from the very beginning, I can think at least 10 years back. And... uh, this year, they happen to have some vacancies, and I applied, and here we are. Brilliant. Brilliant. And I Yeah, I've been uh, active in Portland theater for the past five years, uh, mostly in acting, a little bit in uh, assistant directing and behind the scenes. I wrote the book to a musical, Matthew McConaughey versus the Devil, an American oh. Myth, which I produced <laughs> in... <laughs> New York this summer through the New York Musical uh, Theater Festival. That's awesome. And uh, that got me the producing chops uh, to start working here at Vertigo. Uh, Yeah, it's so exciting. It's such a fresh new start for this company, and there's so many possibilities. Yes, definitely. We're about two-thirds new as a company. There are 13 of us um, as producing ensemble members, and only three persons are from the previous season. season. Whoa. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Uh, so this is another question that's a little weird because I typically am asking only one question, but I'll still pose it to both of you. Uh, I like to start out my podcast asking all my guests the same question, and it's a big ambiguous question so feel free to answer it however you wish uh, the question is simply uh, what is your artistic direction Ooh. that's good mm. yeah whichever, whichever <laughs> like, one of you like like blips direction it in the it. arts or yeah. artistic direction in life yeah, uh, either or <laughs> truthfully either or depends on how you want to take okay i'll take a stab first because yeah. <laughs> i think um 
my answer, I can answer for myself personally, and I think I can answer also a little bit for Vertigo as okay, well. Perfect. Uh, my personal artistic vision is accessibility and equity in the theater, in, in all aspects. Everything from casting to production to the stories that we tell to the people that we are engaging in our community. Um, and that is something that I said in my interview process to be a Vertigo member. Accessibility and equitability in the theater. My artistic direction. I'm really interested in making theater for people who've said, I don't like theater. I like reaching out, yeah. finding new forms. Um, because theater is can be very accessible to and relevant people just aren't aware or there's this stigma and the same shows keep being produced again and again yeah. and again and i think what i'm really interested in is new work this is which is why i love vertigo is so much new work new relevant work that speaks to our social and political and maybe you know, weather, climate. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, so neither of you are artistic director, and there's no artistic director of, mm-hmm. of Theater Vertigo. I keep wanting to say Vertigo Theater. It's Theater Vertigo. Yeah. Theater Vertigo. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Vertigo Theater is a Canadian company. Okay. Just to, oh. Just to clear that up. Oh, I, happened, I happened upon that on Google the other day. <laughs> the more you know. Exactly. <laughs> um, but can you just describe the structure, how this theater company is set up, and why it is set up that way? Ooh, the question to why is a little interesting, but how we operate is the 13 of us as a producing ensemble, we take on different facet heads of each part of running a theater company. Everything from crunching the numbers, one of our board members is currently our CFO, uh, whereas beforehand that was typically taken on by a company member. All the way down to choosing a season, choosing a director, playwrights, designers, casting. We take care of concessions and ticketing and press release, public relations, social media. Everything that a team of maybe one or two people normally does, we split amongst the 13 of us, which is... A really interesting way to work, and I think Theater Vertigo is extremely unique in that way, that for the past 20 years, we have successfully successfully made a name for ourselves in the Portland community and produced new, rarely seen, sometimes button-pushing works, and it's all been done in an ensemble format from the very beginning. My, my, like, judgmental inclination is like, that would never work. Like, it's like you need someone to be doing things. But I can ima- I can envision, like, as long as you make sure the group stays harmonious and yes. in conjunction with each other. Yes. So I guess the question is now, how do you ensure that the group stays harmonious and in conjunction with each other? I think assurance is never quite achieved. You have third for us in mm-hmm. particular, you have 13 <laughs> extremely different people. And we try every single day to celebrate those differences, celebrate the, the experience level that we all bring to the table and the different voices that we all have. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where Vertigo works and that we separate ourselves into department heads and each person takes care of that, and we report back to the group. Since we are mostly new, we are still working out our interpersonal communication. Mm-hmm. We actually have 
joined a communication platform called Basecamp. It's amazing. (laughs) And our board has very generously decided to fund that platform so we may use it for a whole nother year. And it's really, it's really, Emily, do you want to go into that? I think Basecamp is our artistic director. Let's be real. (laughs) You know, uh, with our ensemble, on a technical level, it's so hard in the way that you just kind of want there to be one point person to make all the decisions. But so we have to make the decisions and but be really smart in it and making these good decisions, not just for our own gain, but for Mm -hmm. the gain of the ensemble, which is so much responsibility, um, especially in say, uh, play selection. You, I mean, I could easily pick a season of what I wanted, but it's really up to what serves our ensemble. And I love that, that equity Mm -hmm. in everyone having a strong voice in it. So Basecamp helps us with that. It it segregates us out into different teams, and then you can have live chats within those teams or more communication. Uh, We kind of communicate out the wazoo here. (laughs) Emails we're starting to get, I mean, days and weeks long. So something like Basecamp is really really helpful for us. There Mm -hmm. is an overabundance of communication because... No one person can just say yes to one Mm -hmm. thing. So it doesn't always happen quickly, but we have definitely gotten to some grooves pretty recently here that have been super beneficial. Uh, One of them is cleaning up the shoebox this week. We're undergoing a full like renovating cleaning week. Also, we've just landed into September, which is funds timber for Mm -hmm. Vertigo. And that is something that we have collectively come up with. We have three different um, events for friends and family of Vertigo to attend and sponsors to attend. And that's been the brainchild of all of us from yeah. pretty much day one, which has only been a couple of months and some change at this point. Yeah. And Basecamp's really great uh, for creating these events. We've been able to just message, I need this. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what we have so far. Meeting notes for people yeah. who can't be there because there's 13 people and we have lives. <laughs> right. So it's just been an amazing, an advertisement for uh, Basecamp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heavy plug for Basecamp. I know, but uh, can they it works. Advertise? Yeah. <laughs> if you have 13 creative, intelligent, different individuals and an idea successfully filters through all 13 of them, yes. you can be pretty damn sure that it's a good idea. For yeah. the most part, yes. We have, I mean, there has been a learning curve, certainly, for two-thirds of us. <laughs> but yes, that really is the basic idea, is once it gets through all 13 of us. And then our board and our more active members, we have four people on our board right now. One person lives in Eugene. So three very active board members. And once it gets filtered through them as well, it's like green light across the board. Let's nice. move forward. Yeah, nice. So, so 10 of the 13 of you are new this this round. Yes. How, how does is there a constant like filter through or did there just happen to be a bunch of people leaving Theater Vertigo? Vertigo has always had an ebb and flow. Uh, people have stayed, usually have stayed for like two to five years mm-hmm. and then gone on to other theatrical projects mm-hmm. uh, which it, it has been consistent through uh, Vertigo's history. No one's I think the longest someone's ever stayed was eight years um, out of 20 years. Mm -hmm. So uh, this last year was just a year of 
everyone kind of hitting that mark at the same time. Yeah, yeah for the most part. And it's all it's all volunteer basis yeah. too. Um, if we participate in a fully produced show as either a designer or an actor, there is a paycheck that goes along with that work. But as far as running the company, I mean, basically we're do- doing it out of the goodness of our hearts and mm-hmm. it's all it's all completely volunteer. For the theater gods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and for the longevity of the company. That's yeah. the way the company was set up and I don't think any of us take issue with that. Yeah. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'm pretty sure if we're a part of this um, structure that we're completely fine with knowing that we're just donating our time to run a company together. Yeah. Do you find that because you have 13 people who are relatively like in all in charge, I'll say everyone has their thing, but equally Mm -hmm. that you are more in touch with uh, what the community wants and what the community is interested in in terms of a a theatrical experience. Gosh, I'd say that's the hope. Yeah. And that is the, the, the finish line that we are constantly running towards. Um, that is a challenge that is presented to every theater company, mm-hmm. non-profit, non-for-profit, for-profit, what have you. It so happens that our particular mission is to highlight the folks in our community or engage our audience through new or rarely seen works, which tends to... Um, involve those on the fringes or get the attention of those on the fringes. I personally want to see every type of person walk through our door, particularly since our city is really changing. There's lots of new people here or people coming in and out. Um, There's people who have deep roots in the history of this city and the community vertigo kind of being one of them and then there's some very new people that have fresh new experiences and world perspectives and i think i think vertigo is really trying to highlight and again celebrate all those differences but it's tough to know (laughs) it is tough to know if you really have your finger on the pulse you hope you do you think you do but it is very easy to miss the mark as well yeah that's and and this brings me to the uh, like the tricky thing of theater as a dialogue. I've really enjoyed mm-hmm. the idea of theater as a dialogue rather than just audience comes in, sees a thing, and leaves. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, yes. a, it's a way to start the conversation. So what are ways that theater vertigo starts the conversation and what type of conversations do you want to start? God, yeah, that's yeah. a loaded I'll, question. That yeah. is a loaded question. <laughs> I have a lot of conversations I want to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm really excited about, uh, we are in talks with uh, commissioning a new work from a local female playwright, mm-hmm. and um, I just had a meeting with her, and we're talking, I said, what do you want to write about? She goes, I want to make people question their morals, and I said, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. I think that's I think that's one of the best things about theater, um, and what we can do now is questioning why our system and why our society is the way... It is. And make us really look into ourselves and learn from that. And I think that's the problem with uh, a lot of theater companies these days or uh, people who want to start theater companies. It's a lot, I want to do this play because I want to play this role rather than thinking about why is this show relevant? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Because a lot of old shows, a lot of old comedies are great, but I think... Now, especially with so much 
happening, uh, yeah. to say the least. <laughs> the least. The least. Uh, we we can't we we can't let our art go to waste. Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. We, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now's not the time to lean back as an artist. That's yeah. Certainly. Yeah. And I I personally feel that. The responsibility of being an artist is understanding your responsibility mm-hmm. in your art. Um, I love that you say, Emily, testing your morals or pushing boundaries. I think Theater Vertigo as a company has always striven to do that, um, looking at new or rarely seen works to really say, you know, to really raise some questions. For us, I think moving forward... We have a couple of folks who identify as persons of color. We about, we are, I think, very equally split between people who identify as male and people who identify as female in our 13 person company. Mm -hmm. So I think moving forward, we are looking to expand on those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the, those are the stories that, especially because Portland's a, a relatively progressive town. Quite progressive town, like that. That is what the, this community wants. I'm, I'm assuming. I've talked mm-hmm. to a few other artistic directors, and it seems like an across the board agreement is like we want to see stories that aren't necessarily, or we, we don't need to see another Footloose. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. What do you mean? Footloose yeah. is so relevant. No, I'm really uh, personally as a woman. I'm really what I hope to achieve at Vertigo is create more female-driven stories where yeah. females are not the real. Uh, their goals aren't driven by relationship, yeah. but rather obstacle, which very rare. Mm-hmm. And where they're taught, where the subject is something besides dating or their mothers. Yeah. Yes. So shows the past the Bechdel test essentially. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, yes. let's go. Let's read some Kilroy plays. Yeah. yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. So, uh, so, so what, what is the, what are the upcoming shows looking like for, uh, for the company? So right now we are in a month long fundraising event mode and we have three events coming up in September alone. And then we are currently working on cultivating a reader series for after the new year. Okay. We're hoping to pick about, I'd say six, six, six yes. plays that Vertigo has already done in our past 20 years. Oh, cool. And the idea and hope behind that is we will get some original actors and company members that are still in town to participate in these readings and really celebrate the history and the roots of Vertigo moving forward into next season, which is our 21st season where we are considering ourselves legal at that <laughs> point. <laughs> That's when things get crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see all these um, already done shows and like breathing life there's because there's so many that um i didn't get to see at vertigo yeah. so mm-hmm. i'm i'm super excited for this reading series coming yeah. up uh but especially even more for our september I know, there's so yes. much happening okay so on saturday september 16th we're having our improv night here at the shoebox theater <laughs> it features it features no filter improv and some guests um i believe we have three or four or no filter improv artists um, on, in our producing ensemble. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, it's going to be really 
fun, really fun night. Uh, 7 to 9.30, $10 tickets. Make sure to bring some cash okay. because there are some fun uh, audience participation moments. Right? That you can that you can purchase. You can, purchase. Oh. you can have control. If you do not like a game, if you have a suggestion, if you have a favorite actor you want to make suffer on stage, <laughs> yeah. you have that opportunity if you just bring a little bit of cash. Yes. Like pay yes. to play, essentially. Exactly. Yes. It's yeah. going to be It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> and then our next event is on Saturday, September 23rd. It is our drag night here at the oh. Shoebox again from 8 p.m. to 11. And again, $10 tickets. Uh, all tickets are available online and at the door for these two events. Uh, we are going to be celebrating some local drag artists. Yeah, uh, we've nice. got a handful of queens and a king who Ooh. is making their debut. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, it's a bring cash event for some <laughs> audience participation. It should be a little bit of a wild night. Yeah. And you can also get a photo with your favorite queen wow. or king by the end of the evening. And we encourage folks to stick around after that event as well. We'll have some mingling and some entertainment in the lobby nice. afterwards. And then all of this culminates in our Carnival Gala on Saturday, September 30th from 6.30 to 9.30 at One Main Place downtown. And it's $15 tickets in advance uh, through our website or the Facebook invitation. And that gets you entry into the gala and five drink tickets. We're going to have a live auction, and it's all centered around a big carnival celebration theme. We're going to have tarot readings, jugglers. We got a mermaid. Uh, nice. We're we've got to have uh, we've got photo booths and entertainment, and we'll also be having a live auction towards the end of the evening with some really uh, fun items and. Events and yeah. what do you, how would you say this? A like people up for auction. Yes, <laughs> yes. Not not like slavery, but <laughs> <laughs> but so some fun going on with the company some members. Experience. Yeah, experiences. Yes. That's yes. the word. And our incomparable Gary Strong is going to be the master of ceremonies, which. For anybody who knows Gary in the community, that is definitely something to look forward to. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're a little bit along the ways. Uh, I always like at some point asking, is there anything we haven't talked about yet that you, either of you are interested in talking about in terms of the structure, in terms of theater Virgo, theater administration, Portland theater community, like in, in a greater sense? I'd say for me something that I wouldn't mind talking about is I talked about earlier that um, Portland is changing, our community yeah. is changing, particularly in the arts and how we subsidize the arts. Mm -hmm. um, apart from grants, there are really a very small handful of folks that really truly fund particularly independent arts, but all art forms in the Portland and outreaching communities. And among that very small group of people, there are like two ladies that are really doing the bulk of the support. Oh boy. And um, along with that, the city of Portland, as well as some independent renters, 
are currently revoking a lot of creative spaces in town, whether that be studios for artists of any kind or actual performance spaces. So that's something that for Vertigo, Funds Timber is geared towards for our particular space. We have been hosts of the shoebox for a handful of years now. And before that, it was Northwest Classical Theater Company. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been tasked with the great responsibility to make sure that this performance space stays around yeah. and is available, particularly for independent producing artists, Mm -hmm. because we tend to offer a rental scale that is much more accessible to the independent producer than it would be to rent out an affiliated space. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I've heard inklings. I've only been I've been in town for less than a week, and I've already mm-hmm. heard some people talking about like, oh, there's some companies that are, are like suddenly getting pushed out of their space because mm-hmm. they can't pay rent mm-hmm. anymore. And mm-hmm. That's that's an interesting thing to have to wrestle with because it feels as though it's a force that's greater than yourself. But then doing things like still offering the the rental space to like small independent companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the way to take responsibility for the greater Portland theater community. Yeah, we hope um, so like, yeah. anyway. Yeah. That, that's the best plan that we have so far. <laughs> yeah. We're looking, you know, any ideas, we will gladly accept them because it, it is important to make yeah. sure that Vertigo sticks around, to make sure that our, our independently produced show, Nesting, that has just started rehearsals here, to make sure they have a space and can yeah. stick around. I don't know. Otherwise, what is it all for? Yeah, there's so many different types of projects that are renting from the shoebox this year, from little projects to actual like bigger companies. Yes. That and yeah. so that just shows the need for space. Yeah. And I just love how you know you can walk in as a young artist and this shoebox is such a reasonable price and is so it's a great resource and I would god it would be devastated if we lost it so I'm yeah. so excited to help you know hashtag save our shoebox <laughs> definitely and there have been some other companies in town that have also taken on the responsibility of, of stewardship let's call it yeah. artist repertory theater in particular I believe they house including themselves six separate um, artistic entities, whether that be other theater companies, wow. conservatory themselves, and a couple of other organizations. With the example of someone like ART opening their doors and sharing their, their long held and somewhat independently run space for a long time, opening their doors to others in the community that is that is so commendable no. <laughs> and encouraging yeah, no, and a big thank you yeah. to them. Yeah. I mean, the hope is the shoebox will be filled with art 24 mm-hmm. seven, no uh, weekday or weekend will go without some sort of art, yeah. whether it's, Theater, music, hopefully more drag nights yeah. uh, going on. You never on. have enough drag nights. <laughs> I am, th- I am yeah. so excited for that. Thing, but. Yeah. And the shoebox used to be run that way. I mean, back when NWCTC was the main contractor or the main entity on the lease, there was Twilight Theater Company through here. When Theater Vertigo mm-hmm. initially lost their space from Theater Theater on Belmont, NWCTC was one of the companies that opened their doors and said, hey, let's look at a share let's let's run two seasons two fully produced seasons out of the same 
what, 39-person <laughs> uh, seat place. Yeah. Let's do it together. Let's make it happen. Yes. Yes. The theater seats 39 people? 39 people at the maximum, I oh, believe. Man. Yeah. I, that, that definitely affects the way that you like approach shows, I would imagine, because it's a relatively small community theater. Do you, do you find that there's... Uh, there's like an overabundance of people who want to see the shows or is this about the right size of the year? Oh gosh, it really depends. Yeah. yeah. I mean, show by show and night by night. Yeah. I mean, I've seen everything. I've seen so much produced in this space. <laughs> King Lear, Winter's Tale, oh, which man. have massive casts. I mean, we're sitting in one of the dressing rooms right now. Yeah. Housing, you know, 15 actors in these two spaces <laughs> yeah. is a tall order. And then I've seen shows like Proof done here where you would expect a more proscenium feel because a lot of it takes place on a front porch type setting. <laughs> but really, it's all the suspension of the disbelief. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a fully dark black box, which is so hard yeah. to achieve. Yeah. So that ha- that space really has something going for it. And your design, it's the job of the designer to take the space and the job of the director to communicate where they want to go with that space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the shoebox being small, I really haven't seen it be a hindrance for anybody. I think the great I think the great thing about it is it's such literally a small container. Mm-hmm. And I think the smaller container you have, the more you have to be creative and think outside the shoebox. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. Um, which I think honestly creates the more interesting art yeah. to I me agree. when you have limited resources. So when you can only fit, you know, 35 people in the audience and you have so much space for set and you want to utilize your real estate, what do you do to tell the best story? And I think that really pushes us as artists in a great way. And those containers create creative solutions. Mm -hmm. You have to find creative solutions. And the performance is literally in your face. I mean, you're usually sitting like one to two feet away from a performer. In Carnivora uh, last year, which all the audience was sitting on the same level as the actors, I remember tripping several actors just by crossing (laughs) my legs. So you you really affect the performance. Which just something that's really kind of it's intimidating for some audience <laughs> members and it's really engaging for other audience members mm-hmm. um also last season uh the show assistance our uh company member tyler bushwell he was the set designer and i think that might be one of the best sets i've ever seen in portland and cool. certainly the best i've seen inside the shoebox it took place in an office setting and the detail that he put into his work i mean above the, uh, there was a ledge above that you barely had sight lines to and there was a whole like plant up there just an office plant that yeah. had been neglected and there was a file cabinet that grew and grew and grew and there were stains on the walls down where like the electrical box would be and he filtered some of his design out into the lobby as well and I don't know. I think maybe a smaller canvas really looks good on yeah. some people. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Um, I want to ask one question, which is, and and since you're both you're both the newer members, correct? Like, yes. Okay. Can you speak to the hypothetical listener that's listening right now and is like, oh, I really like this idea of an ensemble-driven mm-hmm. theater or cast. 
I like the idea of not having uh, one person who's dedicated to be the artistic director and the business manager and the marketing director. I like having everyone having a say. Uh, could you speak to them in terms of how do you get started with something like this? How, what, what are what are first square one steps to take in order to m- make a successful company in this way? Is this presuming you have the company or you don't? Like, let, let, let's presume you have the company. Have the let's, company. Let's say it's like, oh, I have, I have. You have eight, people that yeah, you want to work with. I have nine friends in mind. We've talked about this. Like, we've talked about this idea, and oh, I can't believe there's another theater that's like this. Oh. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> Well, I'm sure there are a bunch of other entities that are very similar yeah. to us, yeah. if not the same. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I could name one, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I can't either. And I've talked no. to a lot of artistic directors, yeah. so I'm surprised. <laughs> and that's that. the hard thing. Being an ensemble, you really have to rely on each other and you have to have that accountability. Yeah. And so if you want to start a theater company with an ensemble, having a ensemble that you can hold accountable and everyone really digging deep and being able to do all these what I like to call the mundane tasks Mm -hmm. you have to do before you can create the art Mm -hmm. you have to everyone has to be able to say I will sacrifice my time and get dirty yeah scrub some sinks and uh fundraising which is what you're just doing it's it's so rewarding An ensemble that is in tune or has experience in running a business. That's largely right now, anyway, what we're doing as producing ensemble members. Um, we're less producing a show or a series at this moment in time. Um, running the business is really what comes Mm -hmm. down to it. We are very lucky to have our board member, Matthew, be our chief financial officer and help get us through the learning curve of figuring out what are the month to month costs? Mm -hmm. What are the production costs? Here is a table of what it takes to produce three fully fledged shows in one year. Here's the price tag of that for each teeny tiny thing. And then I'd say from there, Consider or not whether consider whether or not you would like to be a nonprofit or for profit. Yeah. That would really clarify a lot of the type <laughs> of theater that you would like to make as well as how you want to produce it and, and run the theater as a business. It's really easy to forget that yeah. ultimately by and large, we need to run this organization as we would a business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this a nonprofit or is it a for-profit? Nonprofit. Nonprofit, I'm assuming, because yes. I want volunteers. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's different legal things with nonprofits and oh for-profits. Oh, my. And there yeah. sure is. But if you donate to Theater Vertigo, you can get, uh, it can be tax deductible. Yes, it absolutely oh. can. Because yes. of our nonprofit status, which really works in our favor as part of being a producing ensemble, is also... Just like Emily said, all donations are tax deductible. <laughs> that is wonderful. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're running kind of towards the end of this. Any last final notes that either of you wanna wanna throw in right at the end? I just want to say, come to our September events. They are going to be so fun. Everyone 
in this company is working so hard. We're pulling all of our resources, especially the gallop. We're going to have balloon animals and a juggler. Yes. How often do you get that? Right. Um, <laughs> For 15 bucks. 15 and bucks. five drinks. Like, no. come on. <laughs> it's, it's just going to be a great celebration yeah. of theater, of theater vertigo's past and future. And uh, I just want all our, your listeners to come celebrate with us. Mm-hmm. Great, great, Definitely. excellent. I, I couldn't be happier and I couldn't be prouder to be part cool. of this company and the history of this company. Some really heavy hitters in our community um, started this company. Nice. And they have, it, it's been fabulous to see where their ambition and their careers have taken them, as well um. as. It's been wonderful to see what Theater Vertigo has done over the years. So I, I'm happy to have been handed the torch. <laughs> I understand the responsibility is great, yeah. um, but I'm very, very proud to be here. If there is anyone online or any listener that uh, wants to find Theater Vertigo online, uh, mm-hmm. you have plugs, the places you can find, like any plugs at all. Yeah, our website is theatervertigo.org. It's with an R-E. And it's an R-E. If it leads you to Canada, it's the wrong one. Yes. That's Portland. That's Portland-based. And we are also present on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wait, do we have a Twitter account? I don't know for sure. I know definitely we have a Facebook and an Instagram. If not, we will have one soon. We will have a Twitter soon. Um, also accessible from theater by Theater Vertigo is the handle. And uh, we are located here at the Shoebox on South Southeast 10th and Grant. Swing on by, you know, yeah. or drop us a letter. That's fine, too. We have... Um, iPhone number available on the website as well as individual contact information and yeah please if anybody is interested in our company in any way just reach out we it may take us a day or two to filter it through onto the right person but we will absolutely absolutely love to hear from you and we'll get back to you uh, excellent. And I like to end my podcast with one last question which is can I get one recommendation of anything at all from both of you. So, like, a book, a movie, a quote, way of life, a theater thing, if you want. Just, like, oh, whatever. Man. Yeah, I know. The, the hardest question is safe for less. Oh, yes. Um, okay, yeah. I just read Station Eleven. Mm-hmm. What's her... What's the author? I think it's Emily Mendel. And it's this beautiful post-apocalyptic show... Uh, book. <laughs> Not a show. It's a book. Um, about a traveling Shakespeare troupe. Cool. Station Eleven. Post apocalyptic. It's. I think it's my new favorite book. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Station Eleven. I would have to make a recommendation for a film that I just saw. It's a little bit outside of my personal norm, but I saw Alien Covenant, okay. directed by Ridley Scott, and the the movie. I'll be, it is an alien movie, right? Yeah. It's a continuation of that series. Um, and Ridley Scott is a beautiful cinematographer. But the film raises some really fundamental questions about the um, impetus of humanity and what humanity does with its own intelligence hmm. and how may that intelligence that we create or those entities we create, how, how are they negative? To yeah. us. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. And so I think for me, that really resonated. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both so much for being on the podcast. It was delightful. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Yeah.
Uh, you can find this podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. And listener, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have an excellent rest of your day.